0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Um, End of the season, fucking finally, uh, is all I can say about that. One of the worst footballing seasons I've had to sit through my entire footballing career as a fan. Um, It's been miserable throughout. No, even you're not particularly happy by it, obviously, with everything that happened in terms of top four. I don't think any of my mates have had a happy season. I've had Arsenal fans being gutted about it. Uh, Obviously, Liverpool fans not being particularly happy. Leeds fans gutted. It just, it's dragged on and on and on. Finally finished. Let's never revisit this season ever again.
1: Well, you've started the podcast in exactly the chirpy way that I thought. And as I say, (laughs) I... Drop mega message before we came out of like, uh, are we going to do the podcast? He's not hanging from the rafters, is he still? But um, I mean, you had been the, to be fair, I was the more of a mug that I, I genuinely still felt that there was a chance yesterday for Leeds. Um, obviously, we had a sneaky little Sunday ponty session, given it's a bank holiday, didn't we? Me you and the two we missus went out to watch it. And I had high hopes. I had the feeling that it was going to be one of those days. One minute... 46 seconds into the game, and it was done, wasn't it?
0: You know, I would say about that though, I'm glad. Um, it, obviously, it do not matter the sort of the long run anyway, because the other results um, literally couldn't have gone worse for us. But I'm glad because it immediately extinguished the sort of 0.005% chance of hope that I'd left. Because as soon as they score, you're like, yeah, not a chance in hell. A lead's going to now turn this around and get anywhere near enough um, momentum to, to push through into to win game. But it just, I've accepted it, as I said to you, since Bournemouth. So as soon as they lost that game at Bournemouth and lost it quite convincingly, quite heavily, the players didn't look like they had it in them anymore. You can t- always tell for me when a team is going to get relegated, barring a, an absolute miracle and a, a fantastical turnaround. And they had all the imagery and all the looks of a team that had given up, that had ownership issues in the background, had hierarchy issues running on, uh, management issues, it was just never going to happen and I'm, as I say, I'm glad it's, it's finished now, don't have to sit through it anymore and the ownership situation needs to be sorted very, very swiftly for Leeds and obviously there's going to be a massive turnover of players. And then I think I can start to get excited for football again. But it just it's felt like such a long slog to the point where football has just been miserable this season. And I'm, I'm glad it's done, personally.
1: I mean, the strangest one for me is, all right, it's out of your hands. You need to go out there and, you know, a win is a must. A, a, a Big Sam been on the crack pipe? Like, what on earth was he doing with his team selection? like when you need to win a game you game changing players he leaves on the bench and he don't bring on and for 3 minutes winston fat boy mckenney <laughs> fucking up front I, I, I literally when they brought that team shit out i was like i don't i, I could not there was I, there was a sense i said to you that i wondered if he it, it, the plan possibly if you're trying to add some element of sense to it was keep it tight for 45 minutes don't concede a goal. Keep it keep it nil-nil and then let them off the hook a little bit. Bring some players on at half-time. But the team selection when you need to win was frankly
0: baffling to me from Big Sam. For a bit of banter, have you seen that he wants the job next season? Uh, for a bit of banter, I'd tell that fat fucking cunt to get, <laughs> picked,
1: to get fucked is what I would do if I was a Leeds fan. <laughs> I think... Me or you could do a better job than that washed-up, bung-taking piece of shit. After that, that that team selection for me just sealed his fate. I was just like, "What on earth?" If you're going to go, most football fans would be. You, I agree with you that the majority of Leeds fans probably accepted it was over, even if there was that hope of glimmer of hope. You put that team out, and you're like, "Explain it to me." What? 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 Apart from what I've said, which is maybe keep it tight. There was zero logical sense to it. And I just think he'd fucking completely lost the plot. If you're going to go out and you go out on your sword and they had been attacking and then they got hit with a counter and even if they'd lost two or three nil, but they'd actually gone for it, then I think Leeds fans would have been able to accept it more. Now, the only thing I would say, Leeds were in the game and I kept saying to you, even at one nil, they're not out of this. You know, Leeds were probably in the first half by the goal, the better team. They, they, they didn't create a lot of chances they had a couple was it Rigo missed that header that he probably should have scored
0: Robin cock on it it would Robin cock. literally on the edge at six yard box and free uh,
1: and they had, a, they had a couple of chances that you would have thought on a different day had that gone in it could have been slightly different but the the, 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 the team set up and Winston McKenney's a defensive midfielder that does fuck all at the best of time what the fuck did he expect him to do up front it
0: was Weston McKenney has been probably one of the worst signings that Leeds have made in recent years. That the fact that he's basically come in on loan, he had his friend mouthing off on Twitter, giving it big and talking about how we wanted Leeds fans to get rele- or Leeds to get relegated so he could take the piss out of Leeds fans, saying all this shit about other footballers, saying Brendan Aronson is wank, loads of stuff. He was just a complete and utter trouble causer, and I still think that he has been a terrible influence on a number of players in that squad and has probably contributed to the downfall. I think Tyler Adams, if you believe the rumours, had agreed a deal shortly after the World Cup to leave. And it obviously coincides with the time that he comes into the the club and is probably in his ear, etc., saying how shit it is to play in Leeds. And obviously, we, we haven't seen anything official yet with Tyler Adams, but I, I think he'll be on his way out very, very shortly because he's one of the best players Leeds have got. But yeah, he's got to go down as just a horrendous, horrendous sign. It's just not worked in the slightest. Just
1: just to count your point only because I feel like it is a genuine point. And again, you go to the matches, you correct me if I'm wrong. I wouldn't have said it looked that bad for what, two or three games before Adam got injured. Him and Adams, when they were both playing at that kind of defensive pivot for two or three games before Adam got injured, that actually looked like a pretty solid Unit and they both seem to be complement each other and playing well. The moment Adams has got injured, McKenney's form has just dropped off the face of the cliff. So I actually thought for the, for two or three games when he first came in, it actually looked like a relatively shrewd bit of business. And I thought, you know, two Yanks playing together, probably mates from the the national team. I actually thought that could have worked. But the moment Adams has gone uh, or been injured, sorry,
0: it's just looked like he's just been a joke, haven't they? Well, he's not a, not a bad player in the slightest, and he'll go somewhere else. And I've always rated him, to be honest. I thought it in spells and in certain patches, he was good whenever I've, when I've seen him play for uh, Juventus, and I always thought he got a bit of a, a bad rap. I, I don't necessarily think... He's definitely played more poor games for us than he has done good games, but I agree with you. There are certain instances where he looks quite good, and he looks like there might be a player there, and it looked like it might be someone who can help us get out of that situation. But more often than not, he's sulking about. He looks like he's been smashing cheeseburgers before he's come on to pitch. He's lethargic. And it obviously all sums up that entire move and how well it's gone when he gets subbed off in the game uh, at Spurs and gets booed off and gets chanted at and gets vilified. And... He started
1: giving it to the fans, didn't he? Giving them the flicking A- them the and the Apparently, Yeah,
0: apparently he swore at them as he's coming off. So it, it's just, yeah, it's just not worked. And the, the quicker... That we don't ever talk about Western McKenzie at Leeds United. The better for me, um, obviously, how it works with relegation. You were really have experienced. You've never been relegated, have you? While you've been sporting them, football? never. Yeah, never. Um, so it's something that I'm unfortunately used to a little bit. So obviously, I've I've gone through three relegations now. So it's going to be an absolute fire sale. Um, it's never helped when the ownership of the club isn't confirmed and what's going on with. T-Rex Arms over in uh, Italy, who is buying Sampdoria at the moment, um, or, or is not buying Sampdoria because there's loads of rumours. That's falling through this morning. It's just one of those where the, the quicker, as I say, we see the back of the majority of this team, there's probably maybe two or three that I'd want to keep. Ferber, um, Nonto, if we could do. Somerville, of will be good and be handy if we could keep hold of him. Obviously, Adams it would have been nice, but there's no chance that that would happen. Majority, I'd be glad to see go. I just, I don't like any of them. I've never disliked a football team while supporting Leeds as much as as I do at this moment in time. So no feelings towards it.
1: Sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? When you're, a, you know, season ticket like you are, you know, you pay your hard earned money for five seasons.
0: If you had a ticket, season ticket. Yeah, I think five. It might be six now. Six.
1: Do you know what I mean? That's that is a dedicated fan. And then when you're saying that about your own team, that basically I can't stand any of the cunts that play for them. Um, it's not, (laughs) it's uh, it's true.
0: They're they're so dislikable. Like you could go through Liverpool's team, and I'm pretty sure you could name at the very least probably five to ten players that you would really, really feel quite strongly for. You know, you got your Salah, um, Famino obviously, he's leaving now, but you were really happy that he got his uh, his goal, concluding all that. Cody Gakpo, which I'll, I'll come on to mention when we've got a few awards that we want to give out because uh, Cody Gakpo has been very, very good and will progressively get better. But there's loads of players like that that you look at and you think, yeah, he's given his all for this team. Allison, I've got to mention Allison, a little bit. giving his all for this team, really appreciate what he's doing, even in the harder times where he's not necessarily having a good game. You can see that they're trying the very best. This... Leeds is just full of wage-stealing wasters. There are so many poor, poor players who just don't care. Since Robin Cock has been linked with that Newcastle move, I remember we spoke about it um, probably around January, he got linked to a move to Newcastle. He's been awful. And how he reckons that he's going to get a, a big move somewhere or why a team would come in and get him, I, I just I can't understand it. Spurs have been linked to him this morning for 15000000 million. I'd snap your hand off. I'd take it now. So that, that's
1: the problem with relegation, though. I mean, that, that's where I feel the most sorry for someone is that had you stayed up and let's say you'd done it by the skin of your teeth and they were still going to go for a fire sale, someone like Cock, while I don't rate him that highly, when he was being talked about about 30 mil when they yeah. were talking Newcastle, you know, Newcastle, it, that yeah. 15 mil is, is financial rape for someone of that <laughs> calibre. You know, he's a decent player. That's that's ridiculous, and some of the, the some of the fees that they're now talking about because they've gone down, Leeds are just going to have their pants pulled down sadly, which is even worse. Because you know, if you can build that war chest, if you could get yourself fifty, sixty, seventy mil, and even if you only spent twenty or thirty, you've got that spine that we talked about in the last uh, episode of, of players that you'd keep, and it would do you. Roblers would do you a. a a decent Solid championship job. keeper, yeah. Uh, you know, Cooper, Aylin, decent uh, enough championship players, you know, uh, not great Premier League players, they'll do you that. Um And all of a sudden now, what those, the players that you sell, which you could argue, I'm just plucking figures out of the air here, but you might have got a 100, you know, Nonto. Nonto's a 50, 60 million pound player for me. You're probably going to end up walking away. You'd be lucky to get 25 from now.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh, Melier, Melier, one of those that, if we'd have stayed up, you got to sell him. You might get maybe, again, this is if we're a Premier League team, you 30, 40 million. He's a goalkeeper, so they never got that. He's 21. Position.
1: He was talked yeah. about, yeah, Barcelona were looking at him, Spurs were looking at him easily. You're probably right. looking
0: at 15 he's, now at a push. Yeah, it, 15, and, and admittedly,
1: his, his form dropped off the face of a cliff, and, and, and that would have affected his value. But back when he was actually doing quite well, he's, he's a 40 million pound keeper all day. And now, yeah. as you say, you're talking probably somewhere between 15 and 20 if you're lucky.
0: I'm happy to rip it all up and start again, though, mate. We're at that point, as I say, where I literally couldn't get less. (laughs) I've accepted it for a while. It's sad to be relegated, but this is it it couldn't go on in the situation it was going on. Last season were terrible. This season's even worse. Rip it all up, start again. New owners, new management, majority new team, and go from there. One question I did want to ask you, um, just about the three teams that were involved on the last day, I'll start with Everton because Everton obviously stayed up and congrats to them on that. What do they do next? Because this takeover that's rumoured, isn't there, That or more than rumoured, it looks like it's set to go through. So they should be getting an influx of cash. Do you see them transforming from what they are? Do they keep Sean Dyche? Do they go down that route? Or do you see them in an, another relegation battle next season?
1: Um, I would suggest in in the same vein that we talked a little bit about Allardyce I think if someone keeps you up like that even if it's by the skin of the teeth like it was it's hard to get rid of him Sean Dice as much as he's not uh, a purveyor of excellent and exquisite football he'll do you a job um I think they have a few players that they could sell on for some pretty decent money whether they you know someone like Nana sticks out as a, as a sort of as a, as, a, as a pretty decent player that they could then Sell that money and reinvest. Um, I would be surprised if they find themselves in that position next year, but equally, I don't think they're going to go out and have uh, 100 mil spent on them and suddenly transform into a top 10 team. So I, I, I would say Everton, I think, will improve. I would be, I wish that they will be back in exactly the same position next year, but I don't think it will be. I think they will transform themselves into a 13th, 14th you know 11th sort of mid table a West Ham sort of team that you know rip up no trees but do enough to stay in the league not comfortably but by the end of the season they'll still be a Premier League team I would suggest.
0: Other question then so obviously Leicester have come down with Leeds which i, I got to say the three teams that have gone down and obviously I'm a little bit biased, but I I would say it's probably three of the biggest teams to be relegated from the the Premier League in a long time. So uh, EFL are are certainly making a bit of a a profit for themselves in terms of obviously the the TV revenue and all that sort of stuff because I'm almost certain that Leicester, Leeds and Southampton will be all over the TV. Do you see any of the three teams coming back up? Because obviously with Chef Wednesday, literally I think about an hour ago confirming that they were getting promoted in playoffs, You've got, in all honesty, quite a strong league next season. Obviously, Plymouth have come up and they've done quite well. There's a lot of Yorkshire derbies. You've got Sunderland who are still in there. You've got Coventry, obviously, missed out on it by the skin of the teeth. Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough will be yeah. a good
1: team next year. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think, actually think Leeds have the best chance of going up because I think they will be able to keep an element of their team. I, and again, I think we have covered this in the previous guy I, I, I genuinely fear for Leicester on the basis of that wage bill that, yeah, that we you talk, you'd sent me through and discussed, uh, they're going to let a lot of those players go. The players that they really need to keep off to, to try and have a chance are 100% gone. Barnes, gone. Madison, gone. T. Elements is gone on a free. They are at that point, and even the players that they keep are on ridiculous wages. The, the, the one for me that they could keep and could quite easily be Championship player of the near next year that I, I'd be keeping an eye on would be Daka. Yeah, that man is going to score a lot of goals if they can keep him uh, in, in the championship. And if they can do if they can if they kept Dean Smith, Dean Smith is another one of those guys who's he's not a Premier League manager, but he's a pretty astute lower league manager. And it wouldn't surprise me if they pick and assemble, I, I could see them going for the type of team um, that is good enough to try and get them up, but would nowhere be near enough if they went up into the Premier League. So I think they will try to build themselves with all the excess and the sales that they'll get. I think they will try and build themselves a relatively steady championship team. I could see him keeping Vardy purely because of the money's on and his age. I yeah. think Vardy and Daka will cause defences uh, an absolute nightmare in in, in that league. They've got a few other players that they may well be able to keep a hold of whose who's star have faded. I'm a massive fan of Pereira at right back. Whether or not he stays is. Uh, I mean, I'd take him at Liverpool as a backup to Trent, to be honest. So, really, really you, you think
0: so? You think so? will go. He's
1: gone. He's gone on a free. He's going to Atletico. Has not, not, oh, been offici- not been officially announced, but long rumoured. Uh, he's on a free. Definitely gone. Um, so, I, I, I could see them building a strong championship team enough to try and challenge. But I'll be honest with you, I think Leeds out of those three have by far and away got the best chance of going back up.
0: I quite like how South, Southampton are getting on with things very swiftly. Obviously, they've confirmed um, new manager, or the helly rumoured, and obviously they've confirmed that Sellers is not continue anymore. Um, I think that, he, that Martin is a very good manager and I think he'll do quite well for them next year. They made a few backroom staff additions to higher-ups, like some more scouts, etc., obviously in place to go in and get some new players in. But championship's always a gamble. I always say that it's significantly harder to get out of the championship than it is to avoid going back into the championship and getting relegated. Um, but we'll see. we'll see. I mean, they've
1: got a few players. I mean, um, yesterday, I mean, they bought... I'm not sure how much they cost him, but this uh, Suleimani... Seventeen games uh, since they signed him in January. No goals. Two goals against Liverpool yesterday. They've got the chap. Is it Alcarez, the an Argentinian they bought that got a few goals. Again, I can't imagine people queuing up. So um, the the one for me whether they could keep a hold of because he seems very highly rated is Lavia. So a lot of teams, even us, no have chance. been linked with with Lavia. That the interesting thing with him is they're talking about some kind of crazy sums of money for him. I've seen even as high as 50 million next summer. So in 2024, there is a buyback for Man City uh, inserted in his contract for 40 mil. So the question is, do they try and keep him for a year in the championship, help him try and take him up? He looks a very decent player, but the chances are City could then buy him back for 40 mil. Or do they cash their chips in now and get more than that from somebody else? So that, that's a, that's the interesting one for me with Southampton.
0: I think he'll go. I think he's, he's far, far too good to be in Championship. He's, he's, he's 19 that.
1: though, isn't he? He's, he's another one, at non toesque of, look, give us a year. You, you've got the buyback anyway. Um, if he came to Liverpool, for example, very decent player, very much like him. He's not better than Fabinho. He's not going to go straight in, in instead of Fabinho. He's going to be back up. They're going to bring him through. So it would depend who comes in for him. If someone comes in for him and guarantees him maybe first team football, but the teams that would need that, I mean, what one option you could say, he would be a pretty nice replacement for someone like Declan Rice. So West Ham go and get 100 mil, some ridiculous sum. they're talking about Declan Rice. You go and spend 50 on Lavia. That's a pretty shrewd move. But I think it depends on who comes in for him and if he's getting a guarantee of uh, first team football for me.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think age doesn't matter as much these days, unfortunately. We know how ridiculously unloyal players are and how easy it is for them to... It's agent work, in, in all honesty. I we think we've been a bit harsh there on the individual players. The majority will just be trying to play to further their career. At that age, if they've got someone chirping in their ear, there are certain players which don't do that. You look at Bellingham, you look at Gardevald um but there are some players who could just get easily swayed now i think in nontos case i'm pretty sure his agent is a family member i don't know if it's his dad or his mom something like that so there's the positive of highly qualified to do the job then yeah exactly yeah just getting a bit of an extra wage out there um but i think lavia i don't know if there's any family ties with him and i get the feeling that if you're that sort of let's say liverpool for example let's say if you do go for chelsea going for him if they're turning around and saying, look, you've got to move to one of the top six clubs in England here, why would you stay in championship? Gets I mean, Chelsea would that. be
1: a disaster though. I mean, look, I mean, they've got Endo Fernandez in that position, who's the highest ever transfer league signing in the Premier League at 107 mil. The the amount of players we know they've got, there's going to be a far cell there just because they need to do it. If again we're looking at someone getting advice in a, a Bellingham S and a sensible manner no one in their right mind is going to tell that Lavia to go to Chelsea. Or if they do, that just proves more than anything, he's going purely for the cash. He's not yeah. going there to play. He's not going there to improve, which is the reason why he left City in the first place. So I've got a burst. I couldn't see him going to, to Chelsea. Um, But yeah, t- time will tell, I think. Um Just one thing I'll just quickly mention, only because you just said his name there, again, slightly off topic. Very unlike us, I know. Did you mention Bellingham? Did you see Bellingham was awarded the Bundesliga Player of the Year?
0: I did. I probably deserved it. So. Impressive.
1: Impressive. Yeah. Nineteen years of age. They didn't even win. They fucked up on the last game of the season, Dortmund. So it was in their own hands. All they needed to do is beat Mance at home and they didn't. So Bayern got the title. And the young English stroke German lad, Maslera, scored an eighty-seventh minute winner for them to take it. So I think it's I feel a bit sorry for Bellingham, given how good he's been, and the fact that it would have been very nice, I'm sure, for him to leave the... Um, if he is going to leave, uh, to be leaving as, you know, um, best player in the Bundesliga. But, um, it, I mean, how impressive is that? at 19, best player in that. In, in, brilliant. In one of the yeah. top, three, top three. And let's be fair, Bundesliga, probably after Spain and England, is the best league in the world. So, 19-year-old being the best player in that is... Hats off. Guys are phenomenal.
0: I mean, it bodes well for England in the selfish part. I mean, obviously, even if he doesn't go to Liverpool, uh, which looks fairly unlikely now, um, it bodes really well for the English national team, doesn't it? So, uh, never have to see Phillips there again.
1: Once once in a generation talent, uh, incredible. He's like a young Stevie G, but so far further down in development than Stevie G was at 19. He's incredible. He, he, he reminds me that all action can do everything. He runs back. He can score goals. He can score every type of goals. But he's like, at 19, what Gerrard was like at 24. He's incredible. And he's,
0: he's
1: got the world at his feet.
0: Um, just because we'll, we'll get a little bit of a dig in there. Uh, you enjoyed your final day of the uh, the season, didn't you? In terms of fucking embarrassing. exciting... <laughs>
1: Fucking embarrassment to the bottom team. Although, what I did, obviously, we were out in Ponty, so I didn't get to see. I don't know. Have you had the chance to see the goals? I haven't. Fucking ridiculous. (laughs) They scored four. So, we go two new up. They then score four to go four-two up before we get two back. There is no way in the world, if Alisson in goal, that happens. Three of the four goals were woeful goalkeeping from Kelleher. And I'm telling you now, Alisson saves three of their goals all day, every day. So there's no, I don't know, no, know it's the end of the season. I know we've got nothing to play for. Klopp's maybe being a bit generous in letting him have a game because it might be his last game because they reckon we could sell Kelleher, but he was dog shit. And three of the four goals, there was not a chance in hell they would have gone past Alisson. So when I watched it, I was just sat there seething, like, why on earth have you dropped the best goalie in the world? I know we've got our differences of opinions on that, but... And I'm telling you now, that would have been a completely different result if Alisson was in goal.
0: It doesn't really matter, does it? it no, no, does it doesn't really it matter. an absolute dead rubber.
1: doesn't really matter, as you say, dead rubber. But um, when I saw him, I was like, what on earth are you doing today? One goal, Alisson probably wouldn't have stopped, to be honest. Three of the four, ridiculous goalkeeping.
0: It is, as we say, the end of the season. So I feel like it's only appropriate that we hand out some awards. Um, I'm sure that everyone, as they have been all season with us, really appreciates our opinion on um, the specific things we're about to to give awards out for. I'm sure the
1: pros will be listening in now (laughs) avidly waiting for the Tapping Up uh, uh, Awards of the the season to see who got what. But um, we've got
0: a few.
1: We've got a few. And I I wonder how about uh, for a little bit of uh, back and forth. We'll, we'll choose the categories now. We'll go in reverse order. We'll start at number three and we'll go, you go, I go, and all the way up. So I'm um, player of the year. Don't think it's going to take a fucking genius to work out or I'd be shocked if either of us have someone different. But number three for you, player of the year.
0: See, it's difficult, is this? I haven't necessarily, I've only I've chosen a top. I haven't chosen... A two and a three. Um, I know what yours is, and I'm going to agree with you on this one. Uh, I've got Martin Odegaard as my number three. So you've stole my—I I have, but you'll see. It, it literally—it's very difficult to argue against him. Um, he has—I been... think all
1: three. I'd like again. We we, 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 people probably sometimes, and less, less so now. We, we, we argue a bit more. I know we got a bit of criticism in the first few podcasts of you're just two fucking bum chums agreeing all the time. Fuck off. There's, some, there's certain times where things are very clear. But for me, Odegaard, 36 games, 15 goals, seven assists, completely changed Arsenal's midfield, was the driving factor, if you ask me, in their title charge, uh, adding creativity, work rate. Uh, they just lost out, obviously, but, uh, in the end, which we're both very happy about. But I think anyone would struggle to not stick him in the top three of the players this year, personally.
0: He's been Arsenal's best player, obviously. If they'd have finished at the top of the league, which obviously, as the experts, we knew full well that they wouldn't, um, then I think the shouts for him winning the, the player of the year would have been far greater. Now, obviously, again, without spoiling it, because you don't want to spoil it for anyone, the player of the year is quite obvious this year. He
1: couldn't uh, have beat number it, one. It, no it matter could yeah. No you know what happens? Even if they'd won it and he'd captained him and he'd got five more goals and more assists, he couldn't have beat the number one. But he has to be talked about in that uh, that top three. And for me, he's the best, second best midfielder in the league. Maybe not just based on one season's a bit Ooh. strong. But after De Bruyne, I think Ooh. you've got to give him the second best midfielder in the league.
0: Oh, I, I don't know. Um, Na- name me a better one. Well, I'm about to for my number two. Fire away, please. So my number two is Rodri. I think interesting. He, he has been, as he always has, is completely understated. He is the heart and the, the soul of that Man City team. The Man City team that is. Almost certainly in, and again, I think we agree completely on this. Looks set to do the treble. Um, he never gets talked about in the same situations or the same conversations as the others because he doesn't do what the others do. He doesn't win you a game. He never puts it on a plate. He never plays a fantastic assist or goes on an amazing run or, um, you know, does what the number one and the actual player of the year does and score a lot of goals. But you take Rodri out of that team they are nowhere near winning what they're winning this season.
1: I couldn't disagree with you in some ways, but I think there are, not Calvin Phillips, but I think there <laughs> are three or four other defensive mids in the world that you could put in that position that wouldn't alter City as much as that. So uh, I'm always slightly biased. He's dropped off the face of a cliff this season, but Fabinho, for the last few years, Fabinho has been top three defensive mids in the world, he would do you a job. Ugarte for Sporting Lisbon, if you put him in there, he. I think they would still perform to a level of what they do. But I totally hear what you're saying. He is the ultimate understated, does the dog work, never wins the accolades,
0: never wins the fans, but is an absolutely crucial part of the team. So I hear that. Just before we do go on to your number two, it, my number two was at a flip, which sounds silly because obviously I've got someone in number three. It was either between Rodri and a player that you're not going to like. And I, that's why I didn't go over that. I didn't want to go too controversial. Um, Lissandro Martinez, my another, another potential number two.
1: What are you talking about? I
0: mean it, it, <laughs> it, 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 been he, fantastic He's
1: been not all season. Let's be fair. For the first five, ten games to the acclimatised, he was a joke. He might be the most improved player if you'd said that. I, I would agree. And he's come on, but he's also been injured for about the last 10 games. So for me, he hasn't played enough to justify that. But I wouldn't disagree with you if you'd said to me he might be the most improved player this season. I would give you that. But to have him in the top three players of the year, nah, man, come on. What
0: well, that's why I didn't about? put him there. I didn't put him there. But I'll say have, have,
1: have, have you been on Big Sam's Crackpipe? I wish he, I had past, I'll be honest, I wish around, I had it. Has it's he the
0: been the passing it stuff. around Leeds? <laughs> been passing it up, Ponte. So, number, uh, yeah, number, go two go for me,
1: number two for me, I had to go De Bruyne. Seven goals, 16 assists. So, he's got league-high number of assists. And I had a quick look at this. In the last seven years, he's had the most assists five seasons of those seven, which is incredible. And... This season, you would argue that that's made a lot easier by the fact that he's got Haaland to put the chances away. Before that, he didn't. But for me, Will go down undoubtedly as one of the the greatest midfielders in Premier League history and probably should be one of the best midfielders in world football ever.
0: Would he... Obviously, there's a long way to go yet and winning the Champions League would go or work wonders for him in this but would he make your Premier League 11 full time easy
1: he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet after number one he'd be the first name on the team sheet for me any day of the week
0: I don't disagree Um, And and would have been for the last seven years yeah he's been fantastic and it's got to be one of the biggest fumbles other than Salah that Chelsea has ever made totally can't
1: even fathom what a poor decision that was. But, I, I mean, again, let's be fair. That There are players that come in, they don't quite hit the ground running. They don't, you know, He did. it did take him to go to Germany. Uh, was it Wolfsburg or Werder Bremen? One of the two. Um, Wolfsburg, I think. But that was where he took his game to that, that next level. Um, but outstanding player, has been for years. You could put him in... I'll be honest with you, I know this is controversial when you've got your skulls, your Keens. He would go in any all-time
0: Premier top 11 for me. Easily. Who's your number one? Are you going to surprise me? It's uh, (laughs) Alisson. It's van der Sar. Um, There's only one
1: in there. No no one listening to this can be under any illusions that the Terminator is the man. Haaland He's hit the ground running. What he's done is just insane. 35 games, um, eight assists. I mean, he's... Sorry, 35 games, 36 goals, eight assists.
0: I'm going to say, it'd be weird that you you targeted the assists there rather than... Yeah, sorry. That's a (laughs) a
1: typo on my notes. But yeah, so over a goal a game and then eight assists, which is more than Odegaard who we were saying comes into number three. That is just, I mean, he is in the best team. You've got all those other aspects I totally agree with. But anyone that is saying that man has not been the best player in the league this season has been watching a completely
0: different game to me. I think it's really important to note on this as well that earlier in the season, a lot of pundits were coming out when City weren't necessarily looking at the best and saying that his signing had actually destabilised the team and it wasn't a good signing. And I, I still remember reading some of those things online and thinking, what? What? These are I, professionally paid pundits. I, I,
1: I'll i be honest, though. I'm going to hold my hand up here. And, and there was an element that at one point, I could see what they were talking about because of the fact that he offers you, he reminiscently of Ronaldo towards the end of his year, he offered you nothing up front but a goal threat. He didn't do any tracking back. He didn't... All of a sudden, that criticism again, and probably shows the caliber of what an outstanding player is, his game over the course of the season has completely changed. He now drops back further. He's involved in uh, the build-up play, the number of runs he made. That, that's one of the most underrated ones for me, is the runs he makes to take the gaps for other people. And if you looked at some of the goals, even though they're not genuine assists, if you looked at how many goals he's created for for, for Mares. For, for Grealish and those wide players, because of the runs that he takes, he's just, uh, he's a phenomenon. Absolutely outstanding. The, the, the question for me is, can he keep it up? I mean, when you've had a season that good, can you do that next year?
0: Well, yeah, but and this, I think, is the other thing. He's making an entire mockery of football because he, he's been every single place that he's been he just seems to find it easy it doesn't matter what the competition is it doesn't matter what the league is he just acclimatizes simply and makes it look effortless to be quite honest
1: well i just wanted to look at something only because what we've been talking about but this will be this is what i would be interested in seeing because i reckon over the whole course of his career so we're talking all right molde he started a little bit slow then salzburg then dortmund then city But I'm going to hazard a guess now. I'm just Googling it on uh, Wikipedia. I reckon over his whole career, it wouldn't surprise
0: me if he's on a goal a game average. Are we including Norway? Because he scores for fun for Norway. Uh,
1: Ironically, we're not, which is a shame. But I've just got him up here now. And actually, I'll be honest, that's surprisingly... That's less than I expected, if I'm honest with you. But his total over the course of his club career is 207 goals in 251 appearances. I thought that that would be... Literally, I thought he could be on something like 251 appearances, 240 goals. I thought it would be that close. So that surprises me a little bit. Um, But incredible player. What what, uh, what can you say about him? And I feel like we've done it over and over again. We're not going to talk about it to death, but by head and shoulders, the number one for me this year.
0: Yeah. Young player of the year then. Um a little less, I think, obvious. Obvious you've got to give it to Harland, and in all honesty, we won't waste too much time on giving them one, unless you're gonna say you've got someone different. But Allison. Harland would be
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just Harland win everything. Again. Haaland again has to be. As you say, we can kind of skip him, but he ha- has to be again.
0: Can't yeah, he. because he's he's what well, he's twenty two. Um, so it's it's difficult to it, out of is it under 23s, is a young player. I think it's under, under twenty
1: three at the start of the season. Right, so okay. some of them have got older than that. Um, this one I think is quite interesting because I think you are probably two. I could see that you would have my number three. I
0: think would probably surprise
1: you. It would be my okay. guess.
0: Are you going first or do you want me to go first? Ladies first. Um, I am going to go then. It's a a mix between two and three. Um, I'm stuck again. So what I'll do is I will say Alexander Isaac for my number three. Interesting. Um, So he obviously had a bit of a, similar funnily enough to Martinez had a bit of a slow start didn't he and obviously had a bit of an injury Um, I'm pretty sure it's about 11 unless he got one in the last game 11 goal goal involvement I think they call it uh, in 19 matches in the debut season and I still think that Arguably, he could have contributed to the goal this the season, which is Jacob Murphy's at Evan, where he that goes in that dribble. ridiculous, uh, uh, yeah, humbly.
1: Insane dribbling skills. Um, I could argue putting him top five. I, 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 really good player. I remember saying to you at the time, I mean, obviously, went to Dortmund when he was 17, didn't yeah. quite live up to Dortmund, went on loan to William II, I think it was in Holland, and scored 11 goals in 13 games. Um, before, obviously, ultimately ending up. um, He went then to Sociedad. Didn't have a stellar record at Sociedad. Didn't smash him in by, I think, he had one season where he got 17 goals. But apart from that, he was around the sort of 10 mark. But very, very good player. Still ridiculously young. Um, Lots of potential. Um, Good shout, but wouldn't be anywhere near my top three. Okay. I, for number three, have gone... I can't even remember his first name, which is a shocker of me. Uh, McAllister for Brighton. Alexis. Alexis. I thought over the course of the year, for what he did once he came back from the World Cup, what he added to Brighton in terms of a variety of different midfield positions. He can play the pivot. He can play further up as a ten. Um, he's got nerves of steel when he slammed home that ninety ninety ninth minute penalty in extra time against Manu. Uh, he can do a bit of everything. And I thought he was outstanding. And seeing as it looks like we won't get Bellingham, he would be the one that I want Liverpool to stick their chips in. But for not, for me, number three, I was incredibly impressed with him. So I've gone Alexis McAllister.
0: Interesting that because I thought if you'd have gone to Brighton, you'd have been talking about Caicedo. Uh,
1: Dropped off his form. To start uh, early season form was phenomenal. Uh, and he picked up again at the end. But I personally thought McAllister was more consistent over the course of the season, personally. Um, but I think we'll come on to Brighton and, and and they might well fit into some of the other awards that we've got. But he was the standout for me. And I thought he he makes them tick. He is yeah. the, the the metronome of that team, that everything seems to go through him. Everything good, he runs back. Again, he, he he can do a bit of everything, but I thought he was super impressive, especially when they originally bought him. I think he was a winger, so they have sort of converted him back a bit. They've got him to learn the game a bit, but in really good player. Number
0: three for me. Uh, number two for me then. So I'm going to probably piss off a lot of Arsenal fans here because there's the there's debate of whether Martinelli potentially could have been in this top three. Um, Saka could have potentially been in the top three. I, When I used to play, was an old-fashioned, old-school defender. So uh, obviously that kind of get a hint of why I said Martinez in the Players of the Year.
1: If you tell me, Ben White, this podcast is over and I'm leaving and we're never
0: doing another one again. It's not an Arsenal player, which okay. is why I think it'll piss people off. I've gone Sven Botman as my number two.
1: I'll be honest with you, he was in serious consideration for me because I remember watching him a lot at Lille and he was absolutely quality. He's been long marked as Virgil's successor in the Dutch team. Fantastic reading of the ball, very quick, rarely makes a mistake. So I'll be honest with you, that is a very good shout and he was certainly in the consideration for me and I think... He is another the type of player that if Newcastle are going to go on and do well, build on their success, play in the Champions League, he is absolutely a fundamental piece they need to build that team around because he is an incredible defender. But that is a very good shout.
0: I agree. I mean, you look at, it's a bit like what I was saying about Rodri at City. There's never going to be um, someone who wins you the game, but they will certainly help you dictate and not lose the game. And I think Sven Bottman has been... Um, pretty integral to getting Newcastle to where they are this season.
1: Couldn't agree, dis- say, couldn't disagree with you. And he was certainly in 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 my thoughts when I'm looking through this. He 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 was in there. Two for me. Um, I hate to say it because it is an Arsenal player. Um, when he first burst on the scene, I couldn't stand him. I thought he was a completely overrated Arsenal fan saying he's the next best thing since sliced bread, and he didn't do shit. But I've gone Saka based on this year's contributions of 37 games, 13 goals, 11 assists. That is the kind of return I would expect from a wide forward. I think he's won them games. You know, you've obviously got the fact that there's a little bit of a bit, part of me that still hates him for missing the penalty for England. But he's learnt from that. He's built on that. That that could have crushed uh, a, a lesser player. But I think though that that kind of contribution of 24... Goal contributions in 37 games is pretty impressive. So,
0: Saka. I'm going to be. I'm going to be difficult with you here. How have you given Erdegaard your number three in the Player of the Year, but not included him in the Young Player of the Year, and in fact put Saka over him? Um, because apart from the number
1: one, which clearly deserved it, mm-hmm. I'm not one of these that uh, would have been pretty boring, wouldn't it? If it was like, <laughs> who's your number one, Haaland? Who's your number two? Uh Odegaard, who's the number on the same. So I, looked, I tried I tried to I tried to mix it up a little bit, but I thought Saka deserved a mention, but I felt Odegaard player of the year tends to be the more prestigious award, generally so speaking. Um and I thought he deserved it a bit more. It's, it's a fair point, And he would again, I could have put him in there twice because I could have put him in instead of McAllister, but I wanted to keep it a bit fresh and, and add a a little bit of variety in there. So uh, I hear what you're saying, but both of them have been the major driving force. I mean, Martinelli has looked a player because again, when he first came, he was a gangly streak of piss, couldn't do anything. All of a sudden looks like an absolute, wonderful wide forward. And if I was Liverpool, when we were ever looking for a chance to replace someone like Mo, I'd be all over Martinelli in a heartbeat. He absolutely tore Liverpool to shreds in the game we played. Really like him. But his contributions and his overall play, for me, weren't quite as
0: impactful as Salah. Asaka. Saka. Saka. Salah. Salah as well. Um, Salah I mean, and the... Alison. Yeah. <laughs> the most important thing to remember about these very prestigious tapping-up awards is that they're not actually real and uh <laughs> it don't really matter does it so you're right it would be boring if we just said yeah we've got to give it to these people and not it's mention a discussion
1: anything. point in it so, yeah, and again if nothing else i feel like sometimes let's throw a curveball in there so that we get some shit on twitter and we hopefully frustrate some fans what the fuck are you talking about who the fuck are you putting in so i'm quite looking forward to if this uh podcast goes live this evening um seeing if anyone listens this deep in and uh, maybe asking, maybe we we'll do a few polls, see if people uh, agree with us and uh, or, or not. But um, they, they were my
0: three. Yeah, I'm going to say there's no point in doing the number one because we've already said it's uh, it's Harland, uh, again. M- Manager of the year, then I think I am going to disagree with you on this one, um, and I think it's going to be more. that A lot of people disagree with me on this one, but I'll let you so, go no. first this time. You can go first on number three.
1: De for me, at number three. Um, terrific season for Brighton. Obviously, taking him into Europe for the first time this season. Uh, he's taken Potter's team, and I think it would be hard to argue that he hasn't made that better, and they were pretty good before. Um, the, the the big question for me, and this, I wonder how much De plays into this, is can he then keep some of the McAllisters, the Calcedos that people were talking about, and and build around that team, or are they going to have to do a bit like Southampton used to, where they sell two or three players? We know they've got that fantastic production line, you know, uh, in Ciso. If he'd been doing it for more of the season, would have been certainly considered by me in his in the lung player for a year. Made a real difference since he's come in, scored some screaming goals, um, and I think personally. If I had to guess, I could see McAllister and Calcedo going, but I think they will be able to keep, if not at least for another season, Matoma and Cissot and Ferguson. And that's the core that he should then build around to look to take them into Europe. But Deserby for me at number three. Number three.
0: Uh, my number three is Unai Emery. Um So Villa, when they sacked Gerard. We were level on points with them. So Villa were level on points with Leeds. Sat Gerrard. We were absolutely crying for him to sack Jesse Marsh uh, at Leicester. Six months later, we're off to Preston next season and they're in Europe. Uh, The job that he has done, he's one of these managers who gets ridiculed because of what happened at Arsenal. And I still, to this day, will defend him on this and say that the circumstances around his time at Arsenal were completely out of his hands. And I think it was very unfair to judge him on that. And I still think he did very well, despite all that. Anyway, um, everywhere else he's done, everywhere else he's been to, sorry, he's he's succeeded. And the job that he's done at Villa to turn them around from where they were is absolutely outstanding. It's very similar to the Wolves' uh, job. And it's, I never pronounced his name, is it Lopetegui? Lopetegui. Lopetegui. But similar in the sense that he's taken them from a position of potential worry to doing very well with them. But I think he did significantly better than um, what happened at Wolves in the fact that he's, he's got them into Europe. That's such an outstanding achievement for them. So yeah, Unai Emmer is my uh, number three of the year.
1: Don't disagree with you. And if I had to do four, he would have been my fourth. Uh, he, 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 as you say, again, it's been hard this year for, for some of these awards because there are some pretty worthy contenders. Um, again, can't lie. It was definitely in my thoughts in terms of should he be in there? I just felt bright and for what they are, the size of the club they are, where they were. at Villarara, traditionally far larger club. Um, you know, all right, he probably turned it round more than deserve he turned round Brighton. I just felt the way that Brighton, the season they've had, and from what they are, is pretty much Minos. That that made it for me. Number two for me, kind of killed me with this one because I kind of, um, I'm still not sure myself if he deserves it or not. And i I don't really like him as a manager and I kind of feel that he has to be in there is Eddie Howe because to take Newcastle and where they were to the Champions League, they've had some money, they have, they've invested it pretty well, but at certain points they had an Arsenal-esque trait that they could have just fallen away and crumbled. And every time they had one or two losses... Somehow they managed to build it back up into momentum and continue through. And particularly towards the end of the season, when the pressure was on. Liverpool were on six games winning streak. They could have folded there quite easily and ended up losing. So um how at number two for me, the, the, the interesting fact I'm really interested in to see is do they now back him? Now they're in the Champions League. They've clearly got the dough to be able to do it. The owner's do they kind of chuck him 100, 150 mil and say, right, you've done an amazing
0: job, go for it. He's my number two as well. So I won't bore you with going over the same ground or that. But it, it I don't disagree. And you'll probably see this by my number one, um, which might make you think what the fuck's he on about. Because um, I get the feeling I know who your number one is. But I still, I'm not, I'm not sold on him. I'll be honest. I'm not sold on the job he did at Bournemouth. Um, I appreciate that he's taken Newcastle from, and if we we count from where they were last season, um, they were on the the cusp of relegation and they've clearly turned around at a staggering rate. But you can't discredit the fact that they've had essentially a state behind them and they've given them all this money that the majority of clubs are never going to get. Um... And obviously the players that they've brought in have been top quality at high prices. He's still done well to make them gel. He's still done well to make them uh, a very, very good team to watch and a very difficult team to break down. So I feel like he has to be included in the top three. But yeah, I've still got my doubts about it. I'll be very, very interested to see him in the Champions League next season. I think it'll be quite enjoyable to see them uh, going up against some of the the bigger clubs as well.
1: No, no, I agree. Uh, My number one, I think... Again, pretty probably nearly as obvious as Haaland, but for what he's done, you can't not give it to him. To me, is Pep it has to be for so the, the the turnaround. How far behind they were? They've got the best team. I get that, and you could probably argue that someone a lot less of a managerial ability could probably manage that team in the same way that um, you know some of the managers could have managed Barcelona back in the day. Me or you could have managed that Barcelona team when they had MSN, but to take them on the cusp of a treble and the Champions League, which they've never won, uh, and they look a to do that, that the turnaround when they looked like they could have been down and out, to get them every single year to do that flawless April and May in that they do, um,
0: has to be pet for me. See, this is where um, I'm going to have to disagree with you. And this is where a lot of people are going to think that I'm talking... Absolute nonsense because back on a crack pipe. Seems yeah, to be well...
1: smoking a lot of crack today.
0: <laughs> well, Pep don't make my top three. Um I I cannot in in all good conscience give him the props that he probably deserves because the amount of money that, that team gets spent on it is ludicrous. And I get that he can only work with what he's given, and I get that it isn't necessarily his fault, but I just don't think it's that impressive to be winning just, even if they win the treble, I don't think it's that impressive with the resources that they've got. They've got the best striker in the world. They've got the best midfielder in the world. They've got the best defensive midfielder in the world. Uh, arguably one of the best keepers in the world. And I, I won't touch you on that, but <laughs> just by that that glance that you give me that. Um, But the resources that that team have got, the depth that that team have got, Oh, no, right winger ain't doing very well. I better bring on Phil Foden, who's one of England's best young players. Uh is ain't doing fantastically. I'll look who else I've got. Oh, I better bring on Bernardo Silva. There's so much. It's just, it's it's disgraceful in the sense that how football has got to this point. And I get that we go through peaks and troughs of different teams doing it. Obviously, Manu did it at one point. And... I didn't do it because I thought that you might just disconnect immediately from the, the podcast. But Ten Hag was also potentially on my, on my number two. I didn't give it to him, but I, I thought he'd done that it. That would have him. been over. Like, if you'd not...
1: given that fucking <laughs> piece of shit, I'd have been like, what an. Uh, you de- you've you been on more than a crack. You've been fucking chasing the dragon today, if that had been the case.
0: My number one uh, manager of the year is Deserve. I think that the football, the style of football, everything about Brighton this season have made them the most watchable team. And other than the fact that they have contributed to sending Leeds United down. So thanks very much for that. Obviously with the two losses, inexplicable losses to uh, Forest and to Everton. And they want to take a look at whether Tony's been putting any bets on that. Um, But I think that everything that he's done this season has been outstanding. And I, I don't like to... To his own horn, but we have definitely called this. When he first got appointed, we did a little bit of a rundown in that episode. I can't remember what episode it was, in which we hyped him up, uh, saying that this is such a shrewd appointment, and it has been. And I think his achievement in what he's done, similar to Eddie Howe, uh, similar to Unai Emre, their achievements in what they've done are far more impressive in the context than what Pep Guardiola has done with the resources he's given. And Again, it's that old argument, and we didn't mention it in the player of the year, which I thought you might have put him in your top three, but it's the argument of who had a better season, Erling Haaland or Harry Kane. Now, they've both obviously done fantastically, but it's surely easier for Haaland to have got the numbers that he's got in that team than it has for Kane to get the numbers in that team. So uh, the argument, I think, still works there for it, And as I say, he, for me, is by far away the manager of the year and a little bit like Bielsa should have got it. When uh, Leeds got taken up to eighth place in his first season and it got overlooked because of all the managers, obviously did better with better teams and, and better resources. I think Deserbi will get overlooked for Pep Guardiola and I think Pep Guardiola will win manager of a year, but they're my reasons and, and that's why I think Deserbi has done such a fantastic job this year.
1: I hear what you're saying and just on the cane point, I think we were talking about in the booze I worked with yesterday that if you look at Haaland's got 36 goals in that team with the players that have got Kane's got 30 in an absolutely woeful Spurs team that probably should be talked about in the same vein of that season um i think that, that 30 goals a red would have been enough to have got him the top boot uh, premier top top scoring boot in 24 of the last 30 seasons so he can be hard done by that he's just come up against Harland and as a quick shout out there as much as I've never been Kane's biggest fan because I think he's I would describe him as Mr Average he's absolutely average at everything but he's not got any weakness he can do everything at a seven and a half and eight out of ten so uh, I, I think that's a good shout and a point that's just worth adding in to what we're talking about and I think De Zerbe has done a an incredibly impressive job just not impressive enough for me when you look at the points that you just nailed that had he and, and, and again if you look at it if we're breaking it down he could have easily got fourth or fifth had he not lost the forest had he not lost 5-1 to Everton you take a few of those there's always an anomaly results but he had probably four or five games that they should have easily won and on the form they were in could have had and if they had won that they'd be in the Champions League they've got the Champions League I would hands down agree with you that he should have been the manager of the year but it's due to those slight inconsistencies when it really counted that stopped me giving him the top award if I'm honest with you
0: do I mean we've got to give team of the year as well? but do the awards for the manager of the year coincide with your team of the year or do you have it slightly different I have it slightly different
1: So um, You you might as well run
0: through these three um, all at once because obviously we've talked about that, unless they're completely different team and you're going left field here.
1: So uh, touching on one of the the points you made, number three for me is Villa, given what a good job I think uh, Emery's done and how well he turned that around. I thought Villa needed a shout in that. Uh, Brighton are number two for me in team of the year and City, number one.
0: Yeah, it's hard to argue against that, to be quite honest. I feel like I'm going to put Newcastle in there. Um, So I'll go Newcastle, Brighton and City in reverse order. Uh, City as top, which I I get. It sounds hypocritical because I've just argued against um, the job that Pep's done. But as a collective, I think City, if they win the treble, it's it's hard to argue that they're not the team of the year. Uh, Easily. And I think the chances are...
1: There's a there's a strong chance that that will happen. As I said, we talked about again. Don't want to go over old ground, but I see the FA Cup being a more difficult match. I could see him steamrolling Inter. I don't. I could see that not even being a match in some ways. Inter are a difficult um, team to break down. They could surprise us, but man for man, they are woefully outgunned in terms of City's team and. That's the one that's always eluded City. I think Pep will have them more motivated than he's ever had a team motivated to win that, given how close they've come before. I just don't see them not taking it home this year.
0: Are you wanting to do any individual awards specifically for uh, your bias side of things?
1: So, well, I just, I mean, you may not want to, given what's happened, but I did do a Liverpool uh, top three. I don't whether you want to do a Leeds top three as well. No. no,
0: all shit. You can do your Liverpool one. Um, the Leeds top three would be uh, groundsman, uh, cleaner. In fact, not not cleaner because it's a shit all. And dinner me, lady, not me for going <laughs> every one of these games. I mean to sit through that shit.
1: So for me, uh, controversially, I suppose you could argue at number three. I've got Trent, which was. Hang on considered-
0: a minute. <laughs> he had an
1: absolute <laughs> shocker of a season. Absolute shocker until April and the conversion to the inverted fullback. And since that point, he's been our best player by a mile. He has the most assists in the league since that point. He has the most forward passes, he has the most through balls. He's absolutely completely changed his game. Now, on a side note, I'm not a big fan of that role because it means Kanate has to double up and cover him and we're basically making a weird new formation to count to cater for one player who can't defend the shit. But I think if you looked at the last two months alone, it's hard to argue that he shouldn't sneak in there because he has been absolutely amazing since that changing role.
0: It's more comical, and the reason i was saying, hang on a minute, there is. You literally wanted him out around <laughs> January time. I think you'd completely given up on. He's him not a right back.
1: back. Uh, my, my point was he's not a right back. Like, this move to whatever it is that he's playing now, and if we maybe just moved him into into midfield next season, he'll be a revelation. But since 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 April, he's been outstanding, and I feel it would. Be, and, and and I think it's more systemic of the fact that no. Liverpool players have been outstanding this year. So the fact that he sneaks in at three, not necessarily is because of how good he's been, but is because there hasn't been that many standout players for us. I've got Mo at number two. um, Six years in the Premier League with us, and it's his lowest amount of goals, but he still gets 19 goals and 12 assists. So he's still throwing up pretty big numbers in what had been a slightly struggling team for... Uh, a fair bit of the season. Do you want to have a guess who my number one is?
0: Ooh, can't possibly imagine. Um, do they play in the net?
1: They do. So, oh. Allison has to be number one. He has the highest negative expected goals in the league. Saved us so many points that I can't even fathom. You, I've never known a keeper that you can count on so much apart from the odd clanger, and his distribution is probably the best of any keeper in the world so for me allison is clearly our best player this season do
0: you want to talk about ivan tony because i feel like it's a fairly big topic
1: I feel like we've got haven't we uh, we were always talking when it first was happening that there was a, a lack of context and, and and what's going on and you know what um you know going down obviously a lot more has come out now um doesn't really paint him in a particularly good light, does it? Some of it, I mean, although it's not quite as bad as it sounds when I first read it, but actually it turns out he wasn't just betting on the Northwest League in Australia. He actually was betting in on teams that not he was playing in, but he was involved in. So I yeah. believe he was betting on Newcastle when he was away on loan to them. And he also bet four times on Wigan when he was on loan at Wigan. Although none of the games that he played that he bet on, he played a part in.
0: I still, I mean, you said didn't you that you'd wait for the context because if you were betting on teams that you weren't involved in, then it's nonsense. Um, we, I think I can't remember the name of the episode. Was it betting on a ban? I think we called it. It but- was. We went into a bit of a deep dive, so I won't spend too much time on this. But my biggest gripe with this all is gambling and betting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, is absolutely everywhere in football, in, in English football especially, but in football in general. Um, funnily enough, Leeds have just been relegated to the Sky Bet Championship. Um, you, you know, you play your other uh, match awards have the Sky Bet logo. You've got all the uh, betting sites going round and round in the sponsors, on the uh, billboards, all that sort of stuff. You've got Ray Winston popping up at half-time to tell you, after obviously Domino's have told you to order for your food, you've then got him popping up saying, oh, get 2-1 leads, and I think it were 14-1 actually, which were ridiculous odds, but 2-1 leads yeah, against Spurs and all this nonsense. And then they act shocked and disgusted when some of the players start using the resources that have been pushed on them since we are a young kid. You, you look at Tony's career path, every team that he's been at has had some sort of sponsorship involved in it in terms of betting. Um So I, I don't, I don't agree with him betting on teams that he's involved with, but I also can see exactly where he's coming from. I think he's a lucky boy that the uh, sanction isn't any higher because eight months, isn't really that much, is it, in the context of the fact that the season is finished. So two months is going to be flown away. Um, I think Thomas Frank came out and we're defending him. And he did like, you know, the end of season thing where the managers and the players walk around the pitch. And I think he addressed the fans and said that he needs the support. And I think it's a difficult subject to address because, yes, if he does have a gambling problem, he probably does need support on the flip side, he's done wrong. So should he get that support immediately and act like a a victim or should he be vilified? And I feel like there's so many different routes that you can go down. I just also think that the main takeaway is that you shouldn't be surprised to see people who are constantly having this pushed in front of them, using the resources that put in front of them.
1: Agreed. And we've said before with uh, footballers, there's a large element of boredom. They come home from training. They've got nothing to do. Um, I feel like he managed to play the sympathy card in a relatively clever manner with the old, I'm a gambling addict, I need help. And I think if he hadn't have come out and, and he, one of the the reasons I said that he showed genuine remorse, and I get the feeling if he hadn't have tried to say, look, I'm really sorry, I need to go to rehab, I do that, the ban might have been more severe. So now I could be being very cynical, which is me by nature, that he's just done that in order to reduce the ban and play the game. Maybe that's you know maybe I'm being harsh on him there, and that's genuine uh, how he feels, but um he's not been a very clever boy, I think it would be fair to say, and the number of infractions that he did it on were pretty horrendous to be fair, and as you say if they i think if they were foreign games games where you know that miles away where he didn't really have any skin in the game type sort of thing, I think it might have been quite different, but I feel like he's been foolish would be one way of putting it and just downright stupid um would be another way. But um it the context is everything, but that that would be the worst, is when when I first read it and the news broke and it said he'd been betting on his own team and I was just like, what on earth is this clown doing? Um and then it became a bit more obvious that it wasn't quite as harsh or serious as that clickbaity headline made out. So um, hasn't been very clever, paid for it with a long ban. You know, he's, he's out for a long time. Um, let's see if he learns
0: his lesson. It's been a quiet week for MMA. Um, not really anything that we've we've sort of had popping up. Um, the only thing that's really pissed me off, I'll be honest, is the UFC London tickets. Um, uh, the... yeah, what, what's, what's he doing? What is he doing? Dana, what are you doing?
1: Have a word, give the fans what they want, stop being such a greedy cunt. You got enough you got you've already got enough billions when you sold. Uh you don't need that. But some of them, I mean what you showed me, remind me again the cheapest ticket, 203 quid.
0: I think you we're 170, roughly. But Not just... for that card in a million years. Not that no, card in a million years. You look at that um, that's close to what we paid for the other tickets. And that was obviously a, a world title fight. Um, And then you look at everything else that you'd have to spend on it. No, I'm not not doing that. Ridiculous. Yeah, no, I totally agree.
1: Um, I mean, this uh, interesting one, they claim that Joan Stipe may well nearly be signed now for UFC uh, 295 in November at Madison Square Garden. One interesting thing that I read that said could be the deciding factor on this and whether I believe it or not, and it comes on to my next point, is um, what I read was, that's all waiting on Connor. So, what I wonder is are they trying to do a bit of a super card at uh, uh, MSG with Jones Stipe, Connor Chandler?
0: I can't imagine that. Can you? That's well, two different ca- cards, surely.
1: I can't on the basis of who's the headliner and who's the co. Exactly. And Jones and Connor are headliners all day. And I can't imagine for a second either of them being co main event. So, I read that with a slight bit of. Mm, not so sure about that, but it does seem that you know the bigger point, Jones Stipe is nearly, nearly there, and that's what we want to see. That is a good yeah. fight. Jones runs through him, it smashes him uh totally. The uh game plan has been laid uh against Stipe for when he fought uh Daniel Cormier, who obviously John John Jones has has already bested, and uh Cormier absolutely folded Stipe with about six or seven of the nastiest body punches I've ever seen. And that is the way to go against Stepe. Stepe clearly couldn't take those and ended up just folding. So Jones, we we talk about it all the time. He has a very f- high fight RQ. He's going to have been watching those matches. That is the route to victory for him, is to be aiming for the body. Kicks, punches to Stepe's body. Um, that might fold Stepe over. And then Jones comes in. Wouldn't surprise me if he goes so like, like a guillotine, Rear naked choke to finish it, but not officially
0: announced yet. So we wait with baited Beth, but good fight. Can't wait for it. Yeah, I think it's um, fairly conclusive, again, who we think is going to win win Winning that. But yeah, I think Conor and Chandler is going to be its own card. I can't imagine that they're going to ever mix those two things because it's, It's the money-wise part of it, and they're not going to put them both on the same card because they know that they can then instead sell two different cards for the price of one. So
1: I kind of agree, but I also think that sometimes you'd be surprised that MMA, it's not like boxing, these super cards don't always work out. You put those two together, I'll tell you now, that'll be top three biggest ever pay-per-views in UFC, if not two. Only one, I think, highest one ever, I think, is Conor Diaz two. But that would go top three easy if you put them both together. Um, One of the interesting things I read, I don't know if you saw this, was what they were looking to do for, and obviously there's a lot of MMA maths and hypotheticals here, but Conor Chandler, Kobe Edwards. If if Conor wins, and whoever is the winner for the welterweight title for UFC 300, where obviously it's a centennial card, they'll go big. They would put Connor in for the welterweight title against the winner. That it's was potentially what I read.
0: a big British fight.
1: Well, especially if fucking, hopefully, Leon kicks the fuck out of um, Kobe. Yeah. You'd then have McGregor, Leon, England, Ireland for the welterweight title. The sad thing is that's 300. There's not a chance that that's in England. That no. is going to be in Vegas or Madison Square Garden every day. If not, where they've done, I think once before they did a Centennial in somewhere like Dallas, Dallas Cowboys Stadium in Texas. Got like ninety thousand. So, yeah. but that was uh interesting. I thought, that and that makes a lot of sense. If you're going big on three hundred, you need Connor on it. Um, UFC two nine two then. So that's the only other point I've got. Looks like that now, again, not officially signed, but that finally looks like that's going to be Sterling O'Malley for the Bantamweight title. So it looks like they're putting that together. Uh, Clearly, Manny is the the number one uh, contender for me. Sterling might be the most underappreciated champ of the UFC and doesn't get any love um, and is a bad matchup for O'Malley. As much as I like Matt O'Malley, I like his star power, like his personality, he's flashy, he's got good kicks. Sterling just takes him down and pounds him out, I think, would be my view. But that is a fight I want to see.
0: It's a really difficult fight, you're right. Um, and I like O'Malley, but yeah, I think it's going to be a long night for him. Obviously, we'll, we'll end up talking about that a lot closer to the time. But I see why the match has been made, there's clearly no other way to go about it, O'Malley needs to to fight for the belt and has been obviously working towards that but I agree, I can't see anything but a Sterling win there
1: Nothing more from MMA for me, moving on to boxing
0: Yeah, not really much for boxing, I mean there were a bit of a a super night that I tried to watch as many different fights as I could so we had uh, Conlon Lopez, we had Lara Wood and then we had uh, Bill and Smith and Akoli I think you chose uh, CBS and Akoli
1: Watch my Bournemouth boy. That's yeah. the only option. Um, and I was frankly embarrassed by the fight because <laughs> I genuinely, and I've watched a lot of boxing fights. I've never seen someone with a worse game plan than than a uh, a a collie. I think he thought it was a cuddling contest. All he seemed to do was want to clinch. He continued. He must have clinched for probably fifty percent of every single round. I would hazard a guess. He's leading with his head. So, like, he's not even just trying to normally clinch the tie him up. He's going in with his head in terms of a sort of headbutt. Um, CBS knocks him down three times. And Akali had two points deducted. And the moment the first point was deducted, you were like, this is going to be a long night for you. You're going to need a KO here. And at no point did he even, the last two or three rounds, come out with those bad intentions looking for a KO could not understand the game plan and his coaches in the slightest. And it was a baffling fight to watch.
0: Have you ever delighted, watched a Coley fight?
1: Delighted by the fact that obviously CBS won, um, but it was just crazy.
0: Have you ever watched a Corley fight before? Uh No. Yeah, that's, that's exactly is- how he fights. So it's built up quite a bad reputation for doing that exact thing. So he essentially, wait, you know, I can imagine someone putting their entire weight on you for, you know, three, four rounds will tire you out, which is a bit of a weird game plan, admittedly, because surely you'd rather just punch him in the face or punch him in the stomach. But it's also clever if you can get away with it. It's the first time I've seen a referee be as strict. And in all honesty, it's a bit stupid from a curly because as soon as he gets that first point deducted, you've got to switch your game plan up. You can't just keep doing the same thing because... It were almost certain that he were going to get more points deducted for it, and inevitably he did. Um, and I think in the last two rounds he did swing a bit more, but by that point it, it were essentially if CBS holds on, if CBS doesn't get knocked out, he will win the fight. Obviously, that wasn't in the mindset of one of the judges who <laughs> gave it as a draw.
1: Honestly, gee, I mean, we've talked about some bad decisions in the past and some of the things that they do. How on earth, with three knockdowns and two points deducted, I'm going to call him out here because I had to look him up because I was so disgusted with this piece of shit. Benjamin Rodriguez gave it a apiece. And I was saying to you, I was trying to work back how he must have scored it to come to that conclusion with the two-point deduction and... I'm, I'm speechless, <laughs> I genuinely say, speechless. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know what to say about how bad a decision that was. And that guy, they are certain times where um, you should just say, dude, do you need some fucking glasses and go to Specsavers? And you clearly know nothing about boxing. You are banned. You're never refereeing a match again.
0: Well, his scorecard has actually been released. I've got it in front of me here. Um, so, I'll send this across and I'll put it on his Twitter page as well. He gave a curly eight rounds to Billum Smith's four. Um, in the two rounds that he got to the points deducted, he gave them to a curly. So, he gave them us 10 9 rounds to a curly. Obviously, then with the points deducted, made it a, a 9 9 round. Um, the rounds where a curly got knocked down, he gave us 10 8s. But yeah, it's baffling. I, I get. You look at the, the context of the fight, I don't think Bill and Smith did that much, in all honesty. Obviously, apart from the knockdowns, the, the entire fight were a bit boring. And what we said straight away after the fight had finished, or in fact, just before it finished, is that React Paul would knock both of these people out. And I think quite comfortably as well. I think there, there wouldn't be any challenge in that for him. But yeah, as you say, I think hometown advantage paid off in the end. CBS were clearly buoyed by it. And obviously it always helps when your opponent's game plan is just nonsense.
1: As you say, I I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched Cody that much. I mean, I don't...
0: That's you not watch boxing. him again.
1: That's not... Yeah, I definitely won't watch him again. That's not boxing. That is... And I, I, there's an element of truth in what you said of clinching at the right time. If you've taken a big hit, smothering someone, putting your weight on them, you know, tiring them out. In patches, that works. Your whole game plan as a boxer cannot be to do that for 50%. That is not going to win you any fans and it's going to make you look like a fucking mug. So, um, yeah, I was delighted for CBS. I, just, I agree with you. I don't think he particularly deserved it. I think um, Akole lost the fight probably rather than CBS won it, if I'm honest with you. I, I, yeah. I would say that would be the way that I was watching it last night. But um be interesting to see The ramifications now of who CBS gets. So, is it
0: they'll rematch, they'll rematch first. So, he's already come out of curly. they've got a rematch clause, so they'll be fighting again. So, I mean, if I was CBS,
1: I wouldn't have any worries about that. But then it'd be interesting to see which other, uh, belt, uh, you know, champion with a belt that CBS would go after. Paul would be a dangerous one. The chap that we've said before, I forget his name, Opatelli, Opatayi. He would not be a good matchup to see. i I'll be honest. I think CBS lose the only one I could see. The clever matchmaking would be Badu Jack because Badu Jack is obviously a little bit spent, a bit on the on the downside of his age. That would be the sensible move. I'd say all the other champions would would take CBS out pretty pretty easily. Personally,
0: yeah, and I I still want to see Reactor take both from on. Um, I think this is a potential gateway. I can see a Curly knocking him out. Though I'd still back a Curly in the rematch just because I think he, he, as long as he changes his game plan, CBS didn't really offer much. Um,
1: but he didn't even seem to hit him with any big shots. He was no. pinching too much. He didn't, he, didn't, he, 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 he didn't have the distance between him to land the type of shot that was going to put him down. So that, that was what I, I, I couldn't get, that even in those last couple of rounds, all right, I fucked up, I'm not doing any well, keep my distance and start throwing some bombs. Didn't happen.
0: Yeah, it, strange, strange. And as I say, I, I thought that in the last three rounds, at least, he'd come out a little bit more. And he did do a little bit more than he did do in the, the previous rounds in the last two, but not enough. I knew we are never going to win that fight at that point after not being knocked down that many times. And then, obviously, with the points deductions. Uh, the only other two fights, I'll just quickly run through these. I, I watched uh, Conlon-Lopez, so that were on before and both. That were very, very swift, easy night's work for, for Lopez, which were a shame for Conlon because, obviously big night for him, um, similar to the CBS factor with it being hometown, but Lopez is a very dangerous fighter and and very, very talented, so be interested to see what happens there. I think Josh Warrington called him out for a rematch, but I can't see any benefit in that. Um, And then the other one was Lee Wood and um, Mauricio Lara, Lara, which, again, baffling. I mean, I'd say it's worth a watch if you want to waste some time and you've got nothing better to do, but Lara just, I mean, Lara's whole game plan is he's not that good of a boxer, but it got an absolutely deadly hook and he just didn't throw it. It was just Lara making it look really, I'm sorry, Wood making it look really easily, picking his head off, jabbing his head off all the way through night and a comfortable win. And um, I didn't see what the scorecards were. I turned it off before it were even announced just because unless there was a, an absolute travesty, it was quite clear that, that Wood had won that. But Yeah, interesting. I I don't know what goes on next. I don't know if the rumoured Wood Warrington fight would then be available or how that goes and whether that makes loads of money because obviously the Leeds fans factor, factor, but yeah, um, strange one. Uh, I did see, uh, more importantly for uh, bigger fights and the the big money fights, that Fury's team, and this were obviously on the... um, I think it was on BT, wasn't it, when they were talking about it? And they had sent essentially sent a contract Furious team to AJ for a fight uh, later this year, September. Um, do you believe it? No, no, no I don't. neither do I. I don't
1: believe a single word that fucking gypsy says anymore. Fucking sat there eating hedgehogs, saying, calling people silly sausages. I don't believe a single word he says anymore. And he's like the boy that cried wolf. So once you start talking all the nonsense that he does, when he does then say something genuine, it's just lost. So I'd love to see that fight. I think everyone would love to see that fight. But given how he behaved, particularly with the Usyk side of it, I just think he's a detention-seeking whore. And I'll believe it when I see it would be the only thing. I'd love to see it. I think, I I hope it's true. And given where Joshua's at at the moment in his career, I saw the terms were 60-40. So ironically, he's giving AJ... Far better purse than Usyk, who holds three belts, whereas AJ holds none. And then there was a rematch clause, which is 50-50. So the
0: it's the same that offer that it Yeah, it's the same offer that he made previously. Um, it's the timing for me that that which is the weird one and the most suspect thing about it. Why September? So if it's September, you're basically throwing out of Kilter everything else that's been organised. Uh, Joshua apparently wanted a summer fight, which you wouldn't think would happen if he's got a fight in September. And obviously there was the rumours of Usyk fighting Fury and Joshua fighting Wilder on this big supercard at the end of the year, which would have been around December. And I feel like banging that in September disrupts all of that. And I can't see anything then happening that would have been happening. So whether it's just gamesmanship, whether it's just nonsense like we think it is, I suppose we'll soon see.
1: I mean, the more positive news, and this is the one that, we should be ridiculously excited for which is the biggest news in boxing of the bit we've got is they have finally announced Errol Spence Jr versus Crawford for 29th of July now that bar these big boys at heavyweight that is the number one fight that they can make in boxing at the moment that this is this is the one
0: it's annoying um, for us english and british fans because it's in vegas and it? so it's going to be Silly time in the morning. I'll get up
1: all day for that one. Yeah, I'll be doing the same. All day. That that, That is a fight for the ages in terms of... I mean, that is, without trying to get too hyperbolic, that is, in their prime, Mayweather Pacquiao. That's the kind of level that we're talking about of those two guys. Those guys get slept on compared to their contemporaries at £147. But they are both so good in terms of pound-for-pound status, and this is the case of, right, who's the best? So this this is, as far as boxing news goes, the best news for absolutely months, and I absolutely cannot wait for that fight.
0: Uh, I will put you on the spot then immediately. I will almost certainly end up talking about it far more in detail when we get close to the fight there. Who would you be backing?
1: I couldn't tell you. I'll be honest with you, that is about as close as a 50-50 fight as you ever get. I mean, they've both got uh, incredible skills in slightly different areas. Spence might have the better footwork. Crawford might be the better puncher and and, and the bigger puncher. That is a very hard fight to call. I've watched both a fair few of their fights over the years. Um, I'll be honest, I feel like to even have a more... Valued opinion on that, I need to go back and watch them tape uh, and see. But I, I couldn't, I couldn't. it's a toying cost for me at the moment. That one,
0: I mean, interested, and I'd, I'd probably back this myself, but Crawford is the very slight favorite at four to six. Junior, Which one of them, five. the
1: only factor I would say, one of them had that horrendous car crash, didn't they? Where they were thrown out of their fucking Lamborghini or something, um, driving down the strip in Vegas. And somehow it didn't. Spence. So the only thing for me is have those injuries fully healed? Is he okay from that? Because I believe this is his first fight since that. So if there was an X factor or an unknown factor outside of boxing, that would be a potential point for me. But that's as close as a 50 50 fight
0: you can get. I forgot about that. It were um, like a 14 year old who were driving the other car, smashed into him.
1: Did he smash into him or did he just crash it and just end up... Because he, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt, was he? And he literally flew something like 50 yards down the road. Not only lucky to be alive, but he hardly even... A few bits of sort of burn, if you like, not, you know, and no broken bones, no no significant injuries. He could easily die, easily. And it was one of those what sort of completely freak accidents.
0: Yeah, because it, it, weirdly he's um, not had the best luck with... Car crashes. I'm pretty sure he flipped his Ferrari back in 2019. So Maybe
1: he should get a driver. When you've got that <laughs> amount of money, maybe he should stop driving supercars and get himself a driver. But um, yeah, I, I, I could, cannot wait. Apart from some of those UFC fights we talked about and the big fights that get me excited, uh, particularly uh, Poetang uh, Blahovic, that's one for me that really I cannot wait to see. Spence Crawford, uh, that's the one
0: perfect time to end it there then um, the first podcast that we've done with Leeds as a, a championship team so there's a there's a landmark for us we'll bang that in diary uh,
1: and it sounds like we might be doing another fair few for
0: about the next
1: 15 months before hopefully we are celebrating their promotion back into the uh,
0: Premier League fingers crossed fingers crossed um, as always thanks very much for listening everyone and we'll speak to you next week